Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. Well, you didn't hear Pastor Steve say it earlier, we're ending our our Choose Joy series today. So if you've got a Bible, go meet me in Philippians chapter 4. We're going to read verses 10 through 20 right now. So if you go ahead and get there, and then I'm going to say this because my staff got on me a little bit this week. I'm talking about you guys sitting in your bed and listening to the message, this and that. I'm going to get serious for a moment. I want y'all to try something. It's too late maybe now. You're probably in your bed watching it and this and that. But on Sunday mornings, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say, why don't you get up, try getting dressed, Eat a meal. Maybe you spend some time with Jesus, listen to some worship music. Act like you're going to church. The reason I say that is because I I promise you it'll make you feel better. It'll also make you more attentive and ready for what God has has for you today. And I'm not trying to be legalistic with you, y'all. I'm just saying... Let's, let's try to, you know, try to get moving a little bit more and get back to some sense of normalcy, even though we're in our houses. Let's praise God. When I'm about to open up the word, I told y'all a few weeks ago when some of the guys was like, I can't believe you told us to stand. No, I'm serious. Stand up in your house and let's read and honor the word of God together. Let's stand and worship together. Let's have church. Even though we're not with each other, let's honor God wherever we are. Amen. Amen, somebody. Choose joy. That's where we are. Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 20. And, and all that said, y'all, I ain't up here with, an, with a T-shirt on and some, and some jogging pants, all right? I'm dressed and ready, all right? So let's, let's jump into the text today. Choose joy. And I pray, before I jump in, that, that this series has been good for you. I, I pray that you have uh, continually learned more how to intentionally choose joy, in essence, choosing God. And if you've missed any of these messages, go back Listen to the sermons online. Listen to them on the podcast. Catch up with us and, and let God do something in your heart. Amen? Amen. Don't miss him in this season. Starting in verse 10 of Philippians chapter 4, hear now the reading of God's word. Paul says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, you, no, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts You sent a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Very word of God. Amen. Today I want to preach on 
the secret to contentment. The secret to contentment. Before we go any further, let's pray together. Father God, thank you for this morning once again. God, I do ask simply right now that you would hide me behind your cross, that you would decrease me so that you may increase. Let my words that come out of my mouth not be my own, but let them be yours, Lord Jesus, and let your word fall afresh on your people. You are my redeemer, my hope, and my everything. God, I'm looking for you to do a work in this place. And we all pray these things in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. And everyone said together, amen, amen. Well, how many of us wrestle with contentment? Raise your hand. How many of us actually wrestle with contentment? The reason I ask this is because there is a common misconception that I believe is around contentment. I believe we, we sometimes think we can choose to be content. Follow me with this. Like, like oh, I don't need that new car. I, I don't need that house. I don't need that spouse because I'm content. I'm good. All of us have said that before. Oh, I, I don't need this thing or that thing. I'm content. But then we turn around a month or two later and... <laughs> We're back at that place either of of wanting that same thing again that we passed up or you were impatient and you just went ahead and you bought it anyway knowing you didn't need that item or you chose to be in that relationship you know you had no business being in or it's something else. And you know why we do this? Because deep down in all of us, there is this idol of self-reliance. Self-reliance or this idea of I can do whatever I put my mind to. And then we look up one day because we've been relying upon ourselves and say, man, how in the world did I get here? Why am I always tired? Why does my mind not stop going? Why is it that I I, I got what I thought I wanted, but yet I feel like there's still more? You ever been there before? See, again, I think we have a common misconception of what we believe contentment to be. Or that we can just stop whatever we're doing and going after and say, I'm good, I'm content. Family, hear me, it doesn't work that way. It simply doesn't. Tony Evans, pastor and theologian in Dallas, Texas, he says it this way. Look at these words. He says, contentment means being satisfied and at rest about where God has you. Despite what's happening around you, it's not natural or automatic. It must be learned. God teaches us contentment through the ups and the downs of changing circumstances. He wants us to learn to depend on him and his divine enabling no matter what. Do you see those words? says contentment it's not natural it's not automatic no no Tony he he says contentment is learned which means we got to go through some things we got to go through some ups and downs and, and here's the reality all of us are going through something right now 
And, and here's the even harder truth. The, the lesson of contentment is almost always most effectively learned through, during times of suffering and need. But, but I know someone is, is listening and you're saying, but I, but I don't feel like I'm suffering, Pastor D. I don't feel like I, I'm going through it. I don't feel that. So, so how do I know if I'm wrestling with contentment? How do I know if I'm struggling with contentment? Here's a good barometer. Here's a good reading of if you're struggling with contentment. I need you to answer this question for me. Have you ever been angry and frustrated? Have you been angry or frustrated in this pandemic? Come on, be honest. You can't make something happen or figure it out so you get mad or you turn someplace else. We've been there. And see, I would argue that much of our sin and our struggles or issues that we face come, comes from a place of being discontent. Much of our depression, much of our discouragement comes from a place of being discontent. Family, much of our struggles with discontentment, hear me, it stems from us not having the humility to rely on God, or for some of us, maybe not even knowing how to rely on God. Maybe you're like me. Maybe you got this go-getter type of mentality, this, this hustle hard, this climb the ladder. You got this achiever in you, and you believe that you can make things happen, and, and you work hard. But see, in the midst of a pandemic, it's no, it doesn't matter how hard you work or how hard you try. You can't solve a pandemic, so what do you do now? Maybe that's not you. Maybe you don't have this go-getter mentality. You don't have this high achiever mentality, but... The pandemic for you has just furthered your internal battle with self-worth and, and not being good enough. And, and now, because we're in the midst of a pandemic and you can't leave your house, it feels like you're staring in a mirror that's filled with discouragement and no forward momentum. Wherever you are this morning, I, I want you to answer this question. Things didn't get any better. Would you be content? If things didn't get any better, would you be content with where you are right now? Today in our passage, Paul, he's expressing this crucial paradox of the Christian life, which is that he explains to us and lets us know that he's strong only when he's weak. Mm, I know, I'm in someone's neighborhood. He, he, he says, I'm independent or self-sufficient only when I'm dependent. See, although Paul realized the necess necessity of living in a, a Christian community with others, hence the groups that we're in, he also knew what it meant to face life's problems alone and still be able to triumph through them. Friends, I got three points for you, and I'm going to get out of your way this morning. Here they are. Number one, the secret of contentment has to be learned. The secret of contentment has to be learned. Number two, the secret of contentment has to be taught. Has to be taught. And number three, the secret of contentment lies in our dependence. The secret of contentment lies in our dependence. Now, as we get into this text, 
In the verses right before this, as we spoke on last week, Paul is exhorting the Philippian church to pray about everything. He's saying to seek the Lord instead of being anxious. With this, he leads into the verses we have for today, and he says, I rejoice greatly for you, were indeed concerned for me, but you essentially had no opportunity to help. Friends, hear me, when you read through these verses, at first glance, it's easy to look at your scripture and say, well, Paul is rebuking them because they didn't help enough in his time of need. But when you do further study in the scriptures, you see that, that Paul is really saying to them, thank you. Thank you for your concern. Thank you for the many gifts that you have sent me. In fact, you were the only church at the beginning that sent me out with something. You were the only ones that financially gave to the work of the ministry. But I, and I know you, you want to do more, but because of my grave circumstances, you can't do more. But just know I'm thankful for what you've given me. And beyond all of that, Paul is trying to let them know through his circumstances. He's trying to say, look, 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 I'm thankful for the gift. But just know that in Jesus, I have all I need. So he says to them, y'all stay encouraged. You keep running after Jesus. You keep giving your lives and keep giving your money. Keep giving your treasures to the work of the ministry because hear me, God is still at work. Someone needs to hear that this morning. So follow me in this passage because this all sets the stage today for where Paul is leading us next. In the next verse, Paul, again, hear me as he goes into the next verse. Paul, he's not necessarily at a good space right now. If you remember, just to remind you, he is in a prison cell right now, sitting behind uh, bars. But, but Paul, even in the midst of all of the struggle and the circumstances he's in, look at what he says in verse 11 of the text. He basically says, I know the situation looks bleak, but I'm good, for I've learned to be content. Now, if you read this verse, verse 11 on through verse 13, wrong, you'll read it as if I have the power to do whatever I put my mind to. As long as Christ is on my side, I can do whatever I want. And and many of us have interpreted it that way, and we've interpreted it wrong. We got it tatted on our body. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Whatever it is, whatever whatever situation we walk into, no matter how hard it is, I can do all things through Christ who has strengthened me. And and we're misinterpreting this. We're we're using it out out, out of context. You see, what happens is people assume when reading this that Paul is making this comprehensive statement about the spiritual abilities of a Christian. Some act that if I walk into this, there ain't no mountain that I can't move. There's nothing that I can't do because Christ is on my side. And y'all hear me? Paul ain't talking about that. Look at the words he uses. Paul is talking about contentment. He's not even talking about being able to overcome his situation. He's saying, I've learned to be content. Now, for the person that struggles with self-reliance, which is, which is all of us to a certain extent. Hear me, contentment, it's a constant problem. Because the, problem, the person that has a self-reliance and this, this self-motivation and this power trip within them, which is all of us to a certain extent, that there's always this one for more. More power, more money, more fame, more status, more work, more friends. Whatever it is, there is this constant need for more because you want to be the best. You want to be great. You want to be on top. Now, now hear me. This is all interesting for Paul to say 
Because if you, as you've heard me say before, my man Paul, he's the go-getter of the Bible. I call him that. He's the achiever of all achievers. And we know this because the chapter before and chapter three, as we read a few weeks ago, you know, Paul lists off his resume. And look at these words with me in chapter three, verses four through seven. He says, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Look at these verses. Because we constantly read these verses as Paul gave up a lot. But when you switch the lenses a bit, as I said a few weeks ago, you can see that my man Paul, he has some status, y'all. Let me, let me look at these again. He says, I was circumcised on the eighth day according to Jewish custom. He was ethnically Israelite from the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, which meant that he came from Jewish roots and he knew Aramaic. He keeps going and he says, a Pharisee or a teacher of part of the, part of the strictest Jewish religious sect. And then he's highly looked upon even before he became Christian because he was a persecutor of the church. Y'all, my man Paul had a resume to where he could just walk across any line in society and hold a conversation. Didn't matter if it was just a social conversation, if it was economical, if it was racial, political. Paul had the status to engage in any conversation or any context he wanted to. But yet he's sitting in a prison cell right now and he says... I've learned to be content. Wow. For many of us, including me, we wouldn't have been able to say this. We would have been in there saying, I'm better than this. <laughs> I'm not supposed to be locked up. I should be out here with all the people. I could be using my degrees. I could use my status. I can talk my, myself out of this. I can talk my way out of this, this prison cell. I can get out of here. And, and I can imagine that Paul at many times either thought it or said that out loud, the same words, which is why I believe he writes verse 12, because he lets us know. He says, look, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Key words in here. I know and I've learned, which lets us know that contentment is not something that instantly just happens. Follow me. It's not something that's just given to you. No. Contentment is learned through circumstances. Don't miss that. This means simply, again, we got to go through some things. We got to bump our heads a bit. We have to fail a little bit. We have to not be able to make everything happen sometimes. Sometimes, family, you just won't have all your chips in a row or ducks in line. No, 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 no. Sometimes, family, you just won't be successful. But in that is where we learn to be content. See, family, contentment is learned through circumstances. But contentment also has to have a focus. 
And if that focus in your contentment is, is in what you bring to the table or what you can do, you always will feel like you're not good enough or there's more out there or there's another ladder to climb, which urges the question of all of us to where does our contentment come from? This is where we have to pay attention close attention to the words that Paul uses in verse 12. He's, this is before he says, I can do anything through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Look back at verse 12. We just read it. He says, I know how to be brought low and know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and need. The key word here that we read right over many times is secret. <laughs> Everybody say secret. I don't know where you are right now, but go ahead and say it out loud. Say secret. Secret. See, I, I looked up this word and it said that a secret is something that is not known or seen or not meant to be known or not meant to be seen by others. So what this means is that it's not something that you just luck up on or you just somehow figure out. No, no. Paul says, I've learned the secret, which means that he had to be taught. Ooh, some of y'all are missing this. Let me see if I can make it a bit more plain for you. You remember when your, your parents used to tell you back in the day, don't do something or this will happen? I, I remember one day my mother had just, she had just mopped the kitchen floor. And I had the bright idea, you know, just being a young little boy, that I'm going to go in there and I'm going to pretend to ice skate on the floor. My mom's in the other room, the dining room area, and I'm ice skating on the floor, and I'm sliding to the left, sliding to the right, crisscross. No, I'm just playing. I was sliding all over the place on this floor, and I'm like, Mommy, look at me. I'm ice skating. Look at me, Mommy. I'm ice skating. And she looks at me. She said, Boy, you better stop doing that or you're going to bust your head. And I said, Well, I, do you know who I am? <laughs> I'm Derek Puckett. Bust my head. I'm just trying to show you how bad I am. Look at me sliding on the floor. And, and y'all know what happened next. I'm, I'm continually sliding, then my legs go out from under me. I fall flat and on the, on the ground, and I busted my chin, blood everywhere. I still got the scar with the stitches on the bottom of my chin 30-some years later because I didn't listen. And see, here, here, here's the point. My mother knew not to slide on a slippery floor. She either knew this because she had fallen before or she knew what would happen if you slide on a slippery floor that's still wet. My mother knew not to do this, but I didn't. I had no idea. I just thought it was something fun to do. And I, I, I knew for sure that there's no way, and she said, bust my head, that I'm going to go from my feet all the way down to my head. It just didn't make common sense to me as a young boy. So I'm like, I'm going to keep on sliding around. But hear me, I had to go through it in order to learn the secret <laughs> of why you do not slide on a wet floor. Ah, some of y'all are missing me, but what, but what Paul is trying to say is that, family, I've been through a lot. I've I, not only gone through it, but I've learned to not lean into my own understanding, but instead to lean into someone greater. He said, I have learned the secrets 
I learned a secret, which means that like me, where, where I fell on my face through not trusting and listening to my mother, mother but instead of listening, listening to my own intuition, that, that's what I listened to, which caused me to fall. Paul is saying, look, look, I've learned a secret because I've been through a bunch of stuff. I fell on my face a bunch of times. I've done wrong. I've done this and that, but I've learned not to lean into my understanding, but instead to trust God in everything. And that's family. That's why he can say in the text I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because he's learned that secret that is not in his strength. See, Paul has learned that in Christ, when he's weak, he's strong. Mm. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 12, we've talked about this. Paul, he's talking about this thorn that he has in his flesh. We don't know exactly what the thorn is in his flesh, But we know that it was plaguing Paul to the point where he had to go to God three different times and plead, God, please take this thorn away from me. It's affecting me. Please take it away. God doesn't, but look what he says to Paul in verse 9. He says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. This means that God is saying to Paul, Paul, look, I know you're going to mess up. I I, I know you're not going to get it all right every time, but it's okay. Because hear me, there's grace. And guess what? Sometimes you got to mess up to understand my strength in the midst of your weakness. There's the secret. See, what God is saying is that, Paul, I need you to have some weak points in order to understand your need for me. When you're weak, I'm strong. I mean, think about it, because we need to hear this. If we had all the knowledge there was to know, if, if we were able to solve all the issues, if we were capable of everything we needed to do on this planet, then we wouldn't need God. We wouldn't need God to solve a pandemic. But that's not the case. If anything, this pandemic has shown us that we're much smaller and more incapable than we ever thought we were. Now, Paul is understanding this secret, and watch what he says next in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He says, therefore... I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul says, I will boast in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Family, he can say this because he's been through enough to know that God is dependable. He's dependable because, hear me, nobody in their right mind would say what Paul lists off next. Nobody would say, I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. Nobody's content with a list like that unless they know the secret that Paul knows and family here's the secret 
The secret is dependence. Dependence on God. Paul says, I know how to be brought low. And I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So, friends, as we round third and we head home today, the remedy to struggling with discontent or really the underlying root of self-reliance and ambition, hear me, it isn't to get rid of it altogether. And someone needs to hear that. I need to free you from this. You don't need to get rid of your ambition. That's not how we solve the problem. You know why? Because God, he used Paul's ambition. He used Paul to plant numerous amount of churches. He used Paul to to write 13 books in the New Testament. And all those churches that he planted, family, look, if they weren't planted, then I don't know if we would know Christianity like we know it today. So he used that ambition. But hear me, this is what we cannot miss. Ambition that is not humbly submitted to God is a problem and a recipe for disaster. Ambition that is not humbly submitted to God is a problem and a recipe for disaster. You see, the remedy and the secret to our discontentment, as Paul lets us know in this text, is to be one where we're constantly on our knees, kneeling before a great God, saying, God, you know more than me. You're better than me. You're more powerful than me. You're good. But yet, in all of that, you love me, And I humbly submit to you. I am dependent on you, Jesus. That's the remedy. That's that's the secret to solving discontentment. Dependence on God. Someone needs to say those words I just said. God, I am dependent on you and my finances. God, I am dependent on you in my relationship. God, I am dependent on you with my occupation. God, I'm dependent on you in every area of my life, especially in this pandemic. I need you, Lord. See, Paul has seen God move on his his behalf enough that he's able to say in this passage, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Key words in there. Him who strengthens me, which again does not mean that we can take on the world, but simply means that when hard times hit and you start to go through it, you can remain faithful and content because your identity is not in the world that you created or those things that are happening around you or to you, but instead your identity lies in Christ who gives me strength when I'm weak. Friends, we all sit in the midst of COVID-19, and our world is in flux. And if one dwells on it, it will drive you crazy. Because COVID-19 and the mess of this world, the political mayhem, the racial tensions, the the, the murder rate in Chicago, all the things that are happening around us, family, 
It's outside of our power to actually fix. We can't fix it overnight, which can be deflating and feel defeating. Just as if Paul was sitting in his jail cell, just looking at the prison bars, like, what am I going to do? If he's just meditating on the prison bars. But, but instead, if we lift our eyes and we keep them fixed on Jesus and know that he is with me always, he's the same God from the beginning to the end. He will not leave me nor forsake me. If we believe that he has brought us this far and he will not leave me now, then whatever trouble comes my way, whether it leaves tomorrow or if it stays with me for a while, I can believe within my heart that it is well with my soul. All is well with my soul. And I know someone's saying, though, the pastor, the I haven't seen God show up like Paul in my life. Y'all, I'll be honest, I, I haven't seen God show up like he did in Paul's life either. I've, I've never seen God where I'm in shackles and chains on my wrist and my, my ankles, and I just start singing praises, and God releases the shackles off of me. I, I've never seen God allow me to bring anybody back from the dead. I've never seen God allow me to cast demons out of people just by simply walking by them. I've never written a book in the Bible, let alone 13 of them. I've only planted one church. I haven't planted countless churches. Look, family, what I'm trying to say is that I have never experienced the things that Paul did, but I don't have to experience the things that Paul did to know that God is real and that he's with me. Friends, follow me. That's the whole point of this letter. That's the whole reason that Paul is writing the Philippian church. He's saying, look, now, y'all got to keep the faith. Keep running after Jesus. He does this by sharing what's going on in his life and his experiences right now. Even being locked up in a jail cell, he said, look, it's Christ who strengthens me. I live for Christ. In this passage, we're discussing as he's writing to them, he's, just, he's saying, look, I get you want to send me more finances. I get you want to send me more goods. And I'm thankful that you keep doing it. I'm thankful you keep giving to the work of the ministry. But he's saying, look, 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 even though you're doing that, know that I'm content in Jesus. I have all I need in him. And he's saying, look, he's all you need, too. So don't be dismayed by what I'm going through. Don't look at my situation and say, God's not at work. No, he's still working, which is why I believe he ends with this. Verse 19 and 20 of chapter 4, he says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. When you see those words, he doesn't say he will supply every need of yours according to how hard you work. Mm-mm. He doesn't say in there he will supply every need of yours according to your status. He doesn't say he will supply every need of yours according to what you achieve or what you look like. No, he says God will supply every need of yours according to the riches in who? In Christ Jesus, which means that all that we're looking for, all that we need in this life, the fulfillment, the satisfaction can only be found in Christ. 
Hear me, Paul is saying, look, you've read, you've heard about the stories, you've seen the things that God has done through me and in me. And I know my situation may be bleak right now, but look, don't miss what I'm saying. The same God that has delivered me time and time again in my ministry, the same God that has shown his power through my work, that same God will indeed work on your behalf too. Keep believing, running after Jesus. Paul believed this so much that he and many others would die a martyr's death for Jesus Christ because they knew the glory and the heaven that awaited them. Paul saying to us, as well as the Philippian church, I'm okay. I will be okay. And you will be too. So hold on to the faith. Keep giving your lives away. Keep giving your treasure away to the work of the ministry. Watch God do something amazing in your your life. Keep pursuing Jesus above all else because he will give you the joy and the contentment you need in this season. Choose God. Believe this with me, family. There's nothing we can do to make our present circumstance better in a pandemic. We can't solve it, but I do know someone who can. And what we've been trying to get across in this whole series is whether he solves it tomorrow or if it sticks around forever and it's not solved on this side of heaven, As Paul's been trying to tell us, and what we've been saying is to choose joy and intentionally choose God. Keep running after him because he's with us. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. And we know what awaits us in heaven and in glory with him. Amen. Choose joy choose God. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this morning and your goodness. Thank you for the mighty word. God, I do ask that even when the situation seems bleak or times get worse, that we would hold on tight to your word. When it seems like the bottom falls out, that we'll know that even in those spaces, you are the one who indeed catches us. When we feel weak and we feel like we don't have enough to get through the day or we don't have what it takes, God, let us know that it's in that place where your strength is made perfect. We don't have to be strong because you're strong. Father, let us make our home and our resting place kneeling at your feet, saying, I need you constantly throughout all the day and through the rest of our lives. Thank you for being good. We love you and it's in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus we all said together. Amen. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 930 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.